Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, let's get in the Word. I've been ready to preach to you. You ready to get in the Word? All right. Grab your Bible. Go with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter number 11. I'm sorry, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 10. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 10. And we will begin reading with verse number 46. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 10, and verse number 46, all the way down to verse number 52. It's going to be a story that many of you will be familiar with. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 10, verse number 46. When you get there, say, go Vols. There we go. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse number 46. And they came to Jericho, being Jesus and his disciples. Brandon, you're going to have to bump me up some more. I don't know if it's, I just can't hear. I don't know what the problem is. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, everybody say Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more a great deal. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort and rise. He calls for you. And he, casting away his garment, it's still not right. It's still a little compressed or something. And he, casting away his garment, rose, and there you go, rose and came to Jesus. And he, casting away his garment, give it up for our sound team. They're absolutely awesome. God bless sound team because when everything goes right, they get none of the credit. And when everything goes wrong, they get all the blame. So thank God for our sound team. Thank God for Brandon especially. All right. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do? The blind man said to him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus in the way. Watch verse 52 again. Jesus said to him, go your way, go your own way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. 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 Have I told y'all the story about my friend Eric yet? Have I told you that? Because before I introduce you to Bartimaeus, I want to introduce you to another character. And this character is my best friend in the world. His name is Eric. He was the best man in my wedding. We were serving God since high school together. Um, he's a dear friend. I love him deeply. He's a man of God. But Eric has issues. Even the people that know him down here, they're like, yeah, that's being generous. Yes, he's got issues. 
I love him deeply. I would do anything in the world for him, but he's got issues. Uh, I, I, I've never, I've never seen anything like this. My, my, my buddy, Eric, he is a chronic sleepwalker. Like, don't wake him up or you could get strangled to death. Level sleepwalker. You know what I'm talking about? He, uh, he's got issues. The very first time I ever experienced this, we used to travel together on a ministry team called Chosen as a part of the ministry at the ramp. And this was before any of us were married, so we all had to room together. And if you've ever been in youth ministry at all, you know that one hotel room will sleep, you know, 18 kids. That's just how you do it when you're in youth ministry because you ain't got no money. So we just would pile people in there. And there are certain rules and protocol when you are sharing a room with another guy, not only when you're sharing a room, but when you're having to share a bed with another dude, there is just protocol that you're supposed to obey that Eric just refused to obey. Number one, you sleep in pajamas. Can I get a witness from somebody? When you're having to share a bed with another guy, you wear pants and a t-shirt. I don't care if you're sweating hot. It's just what you do so we don't think you're a freak. You don't go to bed in your tidy whities when you're sleeping beside another guy. But Eric would, I'm getting mad thinking about it, but Eric thought it would be funny to go to bed. And I'm going somewhere, just hang in here with me. So I had to build the wall of Jericho with other pillows, extra pillows between me and Eric because God forbid be it his nasty stank feet rub up against my body at some point in the middle of the night. I am preaching. I'm helping you already. Are y'all going to be quiet all morning? Can I get an amen on you? Don't do stuff like that when you're having to share a bed. Eric didn't care. He thought it was funny. We drove all night long. We drove to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to do ministry there. It took us, I don't know, felt like 400 days to get there. We finally get there, and we're dead tired. We're just dog tired. We're sleepy. We finally go to bed, and I woke up out of nowhere. I woke up, I will never forget it, 2.26 in the morning. I roll over wide awake. I don't know why. Nothing startled me. I woke up at 2.26 in the morning. I looked over at the clock. Eric's in one bed. We got 17 other guys all over the room. And I will look up and I look at the clock and I'm thinking, it's 2.26 in the morning. Why am I awake at 2.26 in the morning? And then I found out the reason I'm awake at 2.26 in the morning is because Jesus loves me and he wanted me to see what was about to happen. Out of nowhere, about 30 seconds after I wake up, out of nowhere, my friend Eric rips the sheets off of the bed, jumps up, and starts running through the room, screaming at the top of his lungs, I'm in hell, I'm in hell, why is it dark, I'm in hell, somebody cut on the lights, I'm in hell. I reach over, I slam the lamp on, I say, what is your problem? And he's standing there in his tidy whities scratching his belly it's just nasty just scratching it and all he has to say for himself is that was rough <laughs> so he goes on later and he gets married to this precious lady this precious uh, girl by the name of katie they're still very dear friends of ours and i tell katie when she comes over to our house before they get married i say now listen it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when let me tell you about what you're signing up for. And so I told her some of the stories, and she was naive and thought, oh, that's just silly. He's not going to do anything like that. They go on their honeymoon. They come back. They come to have dinner with me and my wife. And I say, all right, I know their stories, so tell them to me. She said, well, the other night I was asleep, and I heard the front door slam. Boom, middle of the night. 
I reach over, Eric's not there. It's in December in Alabama. It gets real cold in Alabama. She said, I walked out. I was looking for Eric all over the house. I finally look outside, and there's Eric in his tidy whities with a broom between his legs like a horse riding it up and down the driveway. I wasn't playing when I told you he had issues. She said, there was another time when I woke up in the middle of the night. He grabbed me. Eric grabbed me in the middle of the night. This is his wife talking. He grabbed me in the middle of the night. He had one hand on his neck. And he grabbed his wife. And he was speaking with a raspy voice. And he said, Katie, Katie, wake up. I've been shot. She wakes up. She goes, what? Eric, what? I've been shot. He had dreamed he was in Vietnam. And he had been shot in the neck and was pinching the artery closed with one hand and was waking his wife up with, he's got issues. We grew up going to Pentecostal church together. He was a little bit older than me, so he was the first one to get a car. And the car that he was blessed with was a Chevette. Y'all don't even know what that is. You need to Google a Chevette. How many know what I'm talking about when I say the word Chevette? The brakes didn't work. The brake lights didn't work. The seatbelt didn't work. The radio didn't work. The windshield didn't work. The wind, the wind, they didn't go up and down. The windshield wipers didn't work. The headlights would flicker on and off like a Christmas tree at their own wheel. It was an absolute, it was the color of rust. I don't mean it was brown like rust. I mean the absolute complete exterior had rusted to pieces. And this thing would break down on the side of the road all the time. And I was just a young 15-year-old kid. I didn't weigh 90 pounds. And Eric was about 6'2 and weighed about 190. And he thought it was a good idea if I would get out and try to push the car while he tried to start it. And I remember thinking so many times, it is so frustrating to be stuck on the side of the road. You ever been stuck on the side of the road? Diesel's blowing past you. Boom, just the whole thing. Just shake. Boom. So frustrating to see other people going to a destination that you're called to go to, but you can't get there because there's something keeping you stuck on the side of the road. That is exactly what we encounter when we encounter Bartimaeus. He is a man that is stuck on the side of the road, watching everybody else in life pass him by while he is still stuck on the side of the road, watching other people walk in blessing and walk in purpose and I ain't getting no help in here and walk in destiny that he's called to walk in but there he is stuck on the side of the road your bible calls him Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus or the son of a nobleman y'all okay clap if you hear me Bartimaeus the son of a nobleman. But there was nothing noble about him. He was broke, he was blind, and he was begging. He is the son of a nobleman, but living radically beneath the destiny that God called him to. Could you imagine how frustrating it would be that every time somebody called you by your name, they are reminding you of who you are not. You're broke, and every time they look at you, they say, royalty this tension, this conflict, this, 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 this tug of war between where I am and where I'm called to be, and God calls him Bartimaeus so that every time somebody talks to him, they were reminding him, this is not where you're supposed to be stuck for the rest of your life. You are called, Bartimaeus, to be noble. 
Because even God knows if he can paint a picture of you clear enough in front of your face of who you're called to be, maybe that will incite some change in you to make you leave where you are and step into who you're really called to be. That's what he means when he calls him Bar Timaeus, or the son of a nobleman. I'm trying to remind you of who you are. One of the things I love the most about God is you cannot abort the purpose of God over your life through one bad decision. Is anybody thankful that that one mistake didn't cause God to change your name from royalty to broken. That's what I'm so thankful to God about, that if you're going to abort the plan of God for your life, you got to run a really long way. Sometimes we have a tendency to believe that one, one mistake and I blow everything. God knew you were going to make those mistakes and still called you who you were called to be anyway. Oh, hallelujah. That's why the Bible says that just like Jonah was swallowed up in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so shall it be with the Son of Man. God is using Jonah's failure to preach the gospel. Just like the whale swallowed him up. Just like Jonah's rebellion got swallowed up. I'm going to turn that around and use it for my good. Sometimes when we go through things in life, we spend our life trying to figure out whose fault it is. Was it mine? Was it the devil's? Was it somebody else's? You got to learn to get above that and figure out it doesn't matter who was at fault. At the end of the day, God can still use it for his good. You serve a God that is so powerful that not only can you use you when you're doing right, he can use you when you're doing wrong and redeem your mistakes. Is anybody thankful that God can redeem your mistakes? I had some buddies, I had some buddies one time. They, they, they were trying to run from God. I always love when people say, that. I ran from the Lord for 14 years. Where'd you go? Because David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Don't even get me on hell, because we always tell people that hell is eternal separation from God. Is it really? Because how can something exist eternally separated from God? Y'all ain't ready for that. We'll talk about that later. Had a buddy of mine says, I ran from the Lord. For, had a great call on his life. Said, I ran from, I might have told you this story. Ran from the Lord for 14 years. He said, I would go to parties and people were doing drugs and getting high. And he said, when they would do drugs and get high, they'd see pink elephants. And they'd see yellow submarines. He said, when I got high, I'd see Moses. And I'd see Elijah. And I'd see the burning bush. Because it was God tapping me on the shoulder saying, you're called Bartimaeus. I know you're stuck on the side of the road, but that's not where you're destined to stay. I got something bigger for you, Bartimaeus. That's not who you are platform myself sometimes the greatest thing God can do for you is remind you of who you are not sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror when you've been acting a fool acting holy right acting just well I don't know what he's talking about because it's, praise the Lord sometimes when you've been acting crazy you got to look yourself in the mirror and say listen you need to straighten up Y'all ain't never had that conversation with yourself. I have about three times a day. You better straighten up. Because this is not who you are. You don't act this way. You don't carry yourself this way. You don't conduct yourself this way. Because you're called to be royal. You are not called to be broken. And I don't care what the current circumstance looks like. This is not who you are, Bartimaeus. Stuck on the side of the road. Watching everybody else. Pass him by. And most people, when they're stuck, you know what they do? When they see somebody pass them by, start talking about them. 
can't believe they bought that house. Who they think they are driving up in a car like that? I'm telling you, man, who they think they are wearing something. Posting on Instagram that they that they on a vacation. Who they think they are just showing everybody. And that's where you could be, Bartimaeus, if you weren't stuck. People are interesting, man. People are funny because whenever somebody has something beyond you, instead of using it to create envy, it should create pursuit. Well, the rich are getting richer. Well, why don't you become one of them? Y'all acting weird on me this morning. I figured, I figured it'd be a little bit more warmer in Bray since I've been gone for two weeks. Right? Who they think they are. Phew. Who they think they are? They are who you could be if you weren't stuck. I don't use what God's doing in somebody else's life as a, as a measure to make me angry. I use it as a model for what God could do in me if I would get unstuck. When I see God blessing somebody else, I don't look at them and say, unbelievable. Can't, I can't even tolerate it. That's absolutely unbelievable. Oh my God. I look at it and say, now if God can do it for them, then I know he can do it for me. If God can do it for them, then I know he can do it for me. So I got to figure out what it is that's holding me back and keeping me held down with everybody else passing me in my life. That's who you're called to be, Bartimaeus. I'm trying. Stuck on the side of the road. And the Bible says that he begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples look at him and say, boy, shut up. We're going to a healing meeting. Shut up. And your Bible says that Jesus ignores him. How are you going to ignore a blind man, Jesus? Could you come off any more callous than that? That you're ignoring a blind man? This is the very reason you are here on the earth to heal people like this. Can you imagine if you are Jesus and you have the healing power of God resident within you in a poor beggar, a homeless beggar that is blind, is crying out your name, and you just keep walking? And I had to ask the Lord because that text bothered me. So what, what is the, you're going to have to explain this. You know, sometimes God does things that it makes it very hard to give answers to other people for. <laughs> You're like, why does God do this? You know, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him because I've been asking him. He ain't told me yet, so maybe he'll tell you. You ever seen God do things like that? So I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why are you ignoring this man? He said, read the text again. So I read it. He began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Read the text again. He began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy. Read. He began to cry. He began. And then it dawned on me. Oh, he began to cry out. Because anybody can do anything for a little while. If God were to give us everything we needed the first time we prayed for it, most of us would quit praying. In an odd way, God has to withhold to make sure he deepens relationship before he starts handing stuff out. 
if you would make up in your heart and in your mind, Lord, I'm going to keep talking to you anyway, whether you give me stuff or not, you would be shocked at what he started dishing out in your life because he knew if I bless you, I'm not going to lose you. Some people, when God blesses them, he loses them forever. Some people will pray and fast and believe God for a raise. And then they'll get a raise and buy a boat. And we don't see them all summer long because they're on the lake enjoying the blessing that God gave them. Anybody can tithe for a little while if you believe after tithing for three weeks that God's going to give you the raise you've been believing for. God's got to make sure that you tithe when you don't have enough and you tithe when you got too much and you tithe when you're in some, in some place in between because I don't want my blessing to lose you. I got to make sure that you're not connected to me just based upon the stuff that I can give you. God's looking for people that are not opportunistic. See, I'm a pastor, so I get this all the time. I'm always getting emails and text messages and voicemails from people I do not know. Never met them in my life. Hey, Pastor Casey, how are you doing, man of God? I feel like I got a word for your church. You got an opening in the calendar? No! I do not. Just trying to fill the book so you can get an offering to pay the bill. That's opportunistic. And sometimes that's how we treat God. Oh, how you doing, Lord? Oh, I love you. Oh, I bless you. I need a new car, by the way. Oh, bless your name. Glory to God. Then you get the new car, and he don't hear from you again. Where's my church at? Where's Hope Unlimited at? I've told you this before. He refuses to create a world for you that makes him unnecessary. And so sometimes God has to build our life to force us into dependence. But if we would choose dependence, sometimes the crisis in our life is the very thing causing us to stay, stay in touch with God. But if you would choose to stay in touch with God, no matter what comes, you would be amazed at how many crises we could avoid. Because I'm going to bless you when I don't have enough. And I'm going to bless you when I got too much. And I'm going to bless you when I'm living in the single wide trailer. And I'm going to bless you when I'm living in the five bedroom house. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to bless you when all the money I got is to take my wife to the park and throw a frisbee. And I'm going to bless you when I get to take my wife to Hawaii. I'm going to bless you either way. I need somebody to help me preach it. I need to find one or two people that says, Lord, I'm not in this for the stuff you give me. I'm in this because I love you and I want more of you in my life I'm not in this for the stuff you give me that's why I used to preach it that's the difference between praise and worship praise is when we thank God for what he's done but worship is when we worship him for who he is and sometimes you got to get away from everything he's done. Sometimes you got to go to prayer and you got to say, Lord, I'm not here to ask you for anything. Oh, glory to God. I'm not here to ask you for anything. I'm here to just thank you for everything you've already done in my life. And I'm here just to get to know you better. Glory be to God. I need somebody to help me preach it. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you for houses. I'm not asking you for promotions. I'm just asking you, God, for more of you in my life. Amen. 
Are y'all with me? You got to get out of the. That's why when he begins to pray, Jesus ain't looking at that. Because everybody begins to do right. Everybody begins to live holy. Everybody will serve the man of God. If you think you're going to get to preach next week, everybody does. Everybody tithes if you believe in God for something. But what do you do when you obey and he ignores you? You ever felt ignored? I need somebody. My God, where? I need some, Come on now, help me preach this. You ever felt ignored? You ever felt like, God, I'm doing everything I know to do, and you ain't nowhere to be found? Not only is he ignoring them, not only is he ignoring Bartimaeus, his disciples are looking at this blind man saying, you need to shut up. What kind of human being tells a blind man to shut up? And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. I need y'all to get in here with me. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. Jesus is always rebuked. There were some kids wanting to come to Jesus. And the disciples told the kids to hold up. And Jesus said, it is better for you to a millstone be tied about your neck, thrown in the bottom of the ocean. Whoa. Okay. You suffer these little ones to come to me. Y'all know the story? Now there's a blind man crying out, son of David. And the son says, shut up. King James, hold your peace. Trouble not the master. It's not how that went down. Boy, you need to shut up. We'll get the security team on you. Not only does Jesus ignore them, they tell him to shut up, and Jesus doesn't rebuke them. Keeps walking. Lord, there's got to be something to this. And in that moment, Bartimaeus has a decision to make. Am I going to let the opinions of what everybody else thinks I should be doing right now? Because some people have told me you need to quit giving. Some people told me you need to quit praying. Some people told me you need to just let it be how it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Some people have told me before, you just need to learn to cope with the brokenness in your life instead of believing God for it. We had a miracle in our family. Some people, told, I had pastors tell me, it's not going to happen. You need to move on. I'm trying, man. I had pastors tell me there was a, a fracture in our family. Our marriage was broken. Our family was broken. Our ministry was broken. And I had pastors tell me, you should just give up. Come work for me. The devil is a liar. You know what I was doing? I was crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus' people, God's people were saying, you need to shut up. And in that moment, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to learn to cope with my brokenness? Or am I going to go to a deeper place where God cannot ignore me any longer? I'm going to beat on this door called prayer until it opens. Because you said, ask and keep on asking. And you will find Seek and keep on seeking. Knock on this door and it will be open to you. And your Bible says Bartimaeus cried the more a great deal. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when he wouldn't stop, Jesus stood still. 
And he turns around to the disciples and he says, you go get that boy and you bring him to me. And then the disciples, like a bunch of hypocrites, walk up to him and say, the master calls for you. Come on. Same thing happened to us when God did a miracle in our marriage. Some of those same people that told me to give up and quit praying and quit believing came to me and said, I always knew God was going to do it. Slap you upside. I never doubted for a moment, glory to God, you the very devil that told me. <laughs> so go get that boy, bring him here. The disciples went, oh, yeah, no, this, this one? This, this one. Come, come. Rise, be of good comfort. You told me to shut up. Oh, no, no, no. Be of good comfort. Because it's amazing how people will treat you at one level. And then when God starts blessing you, all of a sudden they want to be your buddy. <laughs> you got to be careful the people you let close to you. You need some friends around you that will celebrate when you're broke and celebrate when you're blessed. And say, I'm not in this for what you can or cannot give me. I'm in this because I love you. It is amazing how people at one level tell you, you need... I, I've had, I've, had, I've had top level ministers do this to me. Walk into green room and they look at you funny. I went, to, I went to a conference recently that I was preaching at. I was the main speaker. All three nights, I'm the main speaker. I walk in the door. They say, whoa, 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 where's your badge? I didn't have a badge. Do you not see the poster? <laughs> My badge is the poster out front. What's your problem? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I, like I came in there carrying a machine go, whoa. Where's the badge? I ain't got one, man. But I am preaching tonight. Oh, come on in, man of God. Come on. It's amazing how people will treat you at one level. And then when God starts doing something through you, all of a sudden, they're your friend. You ever had friends show up out of the woodwork? <laughs> So he tells the disciples, you go get that boy, you bring him in. Rise, be of good comfort. The master calls for you. Think about this. The very hands that were pushing him away, Jesus turned around and used to bring him closer. Because if you could see it right, everything that you're going through is really God's way of saying, I need you to come a little bit deeper. Oh, glory to God. Every situation and challenge that you're facing right now, every circumstance and struggle, you feel like it's pushing you away from God. But it's really God saying, what I need you to do, Bartimaeus, is I need you to cry out the more a great deal. Son of David, have mercy on me. Y'all with me? It's the same idea when Jesus goes up to Tyre and Sidon and there's a woman whose daughter is vexed with a devil. And she cries out, Master, have mercy on me. Master, son of David, have mercy on me. Because whenever they got ready to get something from God, you know what they started calling Jesus? Son of David. Because they're saying, I've got brokenness in my life. Son of David. And you do too. Son of David. If you came from David... You know what it's like not to have it all together. Yeah. Woman tired inside and comes and brings her daughter, grievously vexed with the devil. And the mother says, Lord, if you will, you can make her clean. Jesus ignores her again. All through the Bible. 
Then she cries out again. Lord, make my daughter clean. Said Matthew 22, I believe it is. And he says, it is not fit to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Did you just call this woman? What I think you just called this woman? Not only did you ignore her, you're now going off and insulting people? And she said, yeah, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus responds and says, woman of great faith. She went from a dog to a woman of great faith in half a verse based upon how she responded when it got hard. <laughs> how do you respond when it gets hard because if you could see it right what you feel like is pushing you away is really the very thing that God is using to draw you deeper resistance is really invitation if you could see it right because God knows the reason I've got to do this to this woman is because I can fix her daughter's issue but if I don't fix her the issue will resurrect itself God can fix your stuff. God, you're not begging God to fix it. God's trying to transform you. God's trying to process you so you don't recreate it in a different season of your life. Oh, God Almighty, are y'all with me? Son of David, have mercy on me. I got three minutes. Son of David, have mercy on me. Rise, be of good comfort. Bunch of liars. Master calls for you. And then he walks up to Jesus. I told you this part before, I believe. Walks up to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want me to do? I'll give you three yeses. My feet work fine. My ears work fine. You know my mouth works fine. My hands work fine. I can have so much going right in my life, but still have one thing holding me back and keeping me stuck. What do you want me to do for you? It should be obvious. I happen to be blind. What do you want me to do for you? Why ask such a foolish question? Because even Jesus cannot heal what you will not admit. <clears throat> Because even God cannot break what you refuse to talk about. That's why we got to get this Sunday facade out of our lives. And when there's really something going on, you got to drag it to the altar and say, Lord, I'm struggling and I need you to break it out of my life. What do you want me to do for you? I need my vision back. That's what I need you to do for me because I've lost sight of who I'm called to be and I need you to restore it back to me. And your Bible says, you band, come on up. The Bible says, Jesus looks at him and says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Let me give you this point. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? Let me give you this. I'll let you go. 
go your way, your faith has made you whole. Every time in your Bible when Jesus healed somebody, he always gave them a command of obedience to follow after he did a miracle in their life. He heals the man at the pool of Bethesda and he says, pick up your mat and walk. I always wondered, why are you telling him to pick up his mat and walk? But I realized his mat was his testimony. (laughs) The thing that used to hold me. Y'all tracking with me. He would tell Jairus' daughter, Talitha Kumai, damsel arise, go your way. He would tell the lepers, go show yourself to the priest. He always gave them a command to follow. Go your way, your faith's made you whole. Go your way, your faith's made you whole. The woman who brings her son who is dead, Jesus touches the coffin. The boy gets up. Go your way, your faith has made you whole. Now Bartimaeus walks up to him and he Jesus heals him, says, your faith has made you whole. Go your way. And your Bible says, and immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. Because he said, Lord, what you've done for me is not so I can go do my own thing. You might have told everybody else to go their way and they might have obeyed. But what you've done in me, I'm following you. Because the blessing of God in your life is designed to make you love him deeper, not get you through a temporary circumstance. You got to learn to walk around your house, stare up at the ceiling, say, Lord, thank you. I'm not serving you because of this stuff, and I'd serve you without it. But because you did this for me, I'm following you. Y'all with me? I have seen wives pray for husbands, pray for God to move on husbands' hearts and lives. Husband comes to Jesus. Everybody shouts and runs around and falls out. Then the wife that was the prayer warrior gets offended and then they both backslide. What are you doing? What God did for you was supposed to solidify something in you that says I'm following you the rest of my life. Let me ask you this this morning. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? Because until you start talking about it, it'll never change. Sometimes your vulnerability is the most powerful thing you got to help somebody else. When we put on those religious masks and act like we've never had a bump, people get intimidated by you because it seems like you're bionic and superhuman. The only real people that can help you is people that got some battle scars of their own that can say I know what it's like what do you want him to do stand on your feet 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.